LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Chandler Benoy. Hey, hey. And a, uh, a guest that you're all familiar with um, from one book or another, and that is uh, Dr. Henry Cloud. Um, probably most of us have read his book on boundaries. A lot of pastors um, in particular have read Necessary Endings. We've talked about it on the podcast. I think we I think we actually did a book breakdown, Dr. Cloud, of Necessary Endings. We probably should have invited you to that, but we didn't. We broke down your book. Uh, we did. We only break down books that we absolutely love and that we think are really, really good and timely uh, for leaders. But um, I was I was telling Dr. Cloud on um, on the call right before uh, everybody got on. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the at the number of books that you've written and I could make a case for almost all of them uh, when it comes to dealing with this particular time with COVID from. Uh, boundaries, of course, necessary endings uh, is is really important right now. Um, that there's there's just so many. Uh, but we did talk about one book uh, or one. We talked about changes that heal. And then you you started to tell me about churches that heal. But I would rather uh, us have this conversation in front of in front of uh, our, our audience. So uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, churches that heal? Well, it's interesting, especially since we're we're talking with pastors. And again, it's always good to be with you guys. Um, so I was just getting bombarded even before COVID in the last year or so. Um, people use different phrases for it, you know, the mental health crisis in America. Um, you know, people really struggling from all this, this stuff. And so about and, and then COVID hit and it's obviously obviously multiplied people depressed and, you know, addictions and all sorts of things. And, and so, uh, church leaders are asking me, you know, what's the best way to approach this. And so about, about a year and a half ago, I started working on this, um, in association with some of the art churches and, um, it's called churches at heal. And what it is, it's a, it's kind of a plug and play program, you know, uh, how to address how to address all the hurting people in your communities in a box. <laughs> so what I did was I um, long time ago for my book Changes at Heal, I built a model that ministries have been using for you know uh, three decades now in 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 how to address all of these emotional emotional issues and addictions and you know anxieties and depressions and relationship issues and all of that within the context of spiritual growth. And, the, and that's what that book deal, and I built a model from the book deal, and I, I've, I built a model for that a lot of, a lot of ministries use. Well, in, in the last year, what I decided to do is take that and, and put it together for a program that churches could use. And it's got three parts. The first part addresses, and it's all, all video streaming and downloadable stuff, but the first part addresses the staff. You know, because pastors, pastors are hurting, guys. It's, it's, you know, everybody's, they're sort of like the little, little juice box. Everybody comes and sticks a straw in and, you know, sucks the life out of them. Hmm. But, but I mean, you know, pastors are people like the rest of us. And, and, you know, a lot of them are falling and dropping out and just the burnout and all that. So the first, the first part is I had a um, 
there's a church uh, called Celebration Church down in um, Jacksonville, and they brought their entire staff out, and we filmed a retreat. And so for for church staff members and their wives, and it's the particular ways that that they hurt, you know, and, and they struggle. So that's the first section is for the staff. The second section is for the whole community. We filmed a, uh, a half-day seminar on how to address the hurts in your life, and they can play that on the big screen, play it for the whole town, play it for a you know, a breakfast on Saturday with a group or whatever. Um, It's just a a seminar. And then the third section is the individuals in small groups um, to work through the issues. And so that's called churches that heal. We did it so, so pastors and churches could cheaply Oh, And and there's also a bunch of training videos um, on there as well for what do you do with a depressed person? What do you do with a, suicidal person, you know, what about stuff the church can't handle? How do we use professionals, all that? And and so it's just a, a plug and play program and the whole thing, uh, all of it, you know, it's it's like a couple hundred bucks or something. It's really cheap. And so we're really excited about that because, you know, given where where people are in COVID and the hurt that everybody's going through and the pastors having to address all that. This is a scalable way to do it. It doesn't take a gazillion staff, and that's that's what it is. Good deal. Well, th- thank you for putting that together. And if you're if that sounds like something you guys want to check out, listeners, you can just go to churchesthatheal.com and learn yeah. more about that. Some great resources there. Well, Dr. Cloud, let's go ahead and hop in here to our five questions. And I know, just as Todd was saying, there's many who have learned from you <laughs> through your books, through your resources. But who are you currently learning from right now? Oh, my my new Doberman puppy is uh, <laughs> is actually <laughs> the driver. Seriously, we know so many people in in COVID that have gotten puppies. Oh yeah, but our, our dog died right in the beginning of, of COVID. Family dog, and uh, so after about a month, we decided the greatest compliment to her we could would give would be to get another one. <laughs> so we have a. We got a ten-week-old Doberman now, who's six months old, and and I mean, I'm I'm dead serious when when you say who who are you learning from. So I've I've been deep into the brain science of dogs, uh, uh, developmental steps. I've I've always been really into dog training. I've trained. I've gone to dog training training. Trained a bunch of German shepherds. Oh, this is going to be such a good podcast. (laughs) <laughs> so, so I'm into the windows of when the anxiety, you know, and stranger anxiety and all that stuff gets wired and when, anyway, so I'm really, I'm deep into that. But on the stuff you guys would be interested in, um, probably lately, uh, lately three years, I've, I've kind of gone back in a little bit into behavioral economics and decision making and uh, cognitive bias world and all of that it comes up so much in, in what leaders have to do in leaders and so uh, remember Richard Thaler who did Nudge and and you know some of the pioneering work in that uh, Tversky and Kahneman I think is the way you pronounce Kahneman the, the two guys from Israel who did the a lot of the initial work on cognitive bias and then then with all the you know, there's so many things changing in the way people are addressing a lot of the mental health issues. 
they kind of frighten me actually because some of these pop models are getting out there. Um, but I've gone back and and doing some retraining with um, a, a guy that I actually trained with, uh, gosh, 25 years ago, Bessel van der Kolk. Um, if you know anything about trauma, he's kind of the granddaddy of of all that. Uh, he, he wrote a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's a lot about, because I see so much, so much more, even in working with leaders, so many of the goofy leadership, uh, the leadership things that they do that are just, just not good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're crazy, right? But give me an example. Give me a good example of that one. Um, okay. I, I saw one not too long ago, you know, um, Elders retreat and everything sounds hunky dory. Last five minutes, somebody says something, they close the meeting, and the next door, about the next day, about five people are fired. Mm-hmm. Never, talk, never talk about this decision. Can't trust these guys, you know. That's coming out of trauma. That's that's somebody's hurt making decisions. And so I, I just see that a lot in kind of, especially a lot of times they're really high performers, they have a lot of power. Their, their unprocessed hurt really does their thinking for them so many times. And so that would be an example. Um, so I've kind of been in, in those worlds. Um, I'm always reading probably two or three different topic lines at once. And I've been spending a lot of time studying the, the, the crazier end of the prophetic world out there. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you guys are Baptists, right? If I tell you the names and you Google them, you, you'd never talk to me again, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I've been, um, you know, I, I do think that there's a revival coming. And I think that, um, I think we're, I think we're going to see more and more and more move of the spirit. And like I've been going back and reading and studying the Azusa Street revival and the things that happened then, and you know the, the one in Wales. And I'm just kind of, um, and and when you get in that world, you get into the 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 way out there stuff, right? So right, that's kind of where I've been hanging out. Well, you know, you mentioned um, the, the book Necessary Endings earlier and, you know, as you were even saying that there might be an elder retreat and then there are decisions where, you know, some staff members are having to be let go. You know, that's kind of the extreme of Necessary Endings right now. But there's also pastors and church leaders. These were elders that they got rid of. Oh, my goodness. I thought you meant staff. <laughs> no, 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 listen, listen. Five minutes before the retreat, a successful retreat. Like five wow. minutes before it ends, there's this little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a conflict. Somebody confronts the, you know, the head guy, and boom, they were gone. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's not a, that's not a good way to do a necessary ending. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. So that's an unnecessary ending. <laughs> exactly. So a lot of you know a lot of listeners are sitting here wrestling with there is a decision that I need to make. You know, whether we need to move forward with this or maybe cut ties with either a ministry, um, with maybe it is staff member because of of budget. And and I know, you know, they may have read necessary endings and are trying to wrestle with that. So so what advice would you share with with 
you know, pastors and who are wrestling with these type of decisions. Um, I know you've you've had conversations with, with pastors. So could you just share some wisdom with those listening? Yeah, well, um, if you think of the title of the book, Necessary Endings, all right, put those two words together. And and what it what they basically mean is, look, if you're if you're gonna get from where you are today to wherever you decided your vision is, then in order to do that, it is necessary. It won't happen if you don't let go of some things that you're doing today. The book starts out with a sentence that says, Today may be the biggest enemy of your tomorrow. Hmm. And so so what the first thing that that we don't realize oftentimes is, I mean, Ecclesiastes 3 says it better than anything, uh, better than anybody. It says to everything there's a season and there's a time to plant and then there's time to uproot what's been planted. There's a time to sow and a time to reap. There's a time to embrace. And then there's a time to shun from embracing. There's a time to search and try to make something work or, you know, look for an answer. And there's a time to give up. And, and in ministry, a lot of times, and in business, well, you see this in business, that that people start something or they have a division or they have a ministry or they have an outreach or whatever. And it is, you know, it's great for its season. You know, it fit that time. There were factors that came together that made it work and all of that. But why did it take a bankruptcy judge to shut down Pontiac in General Motors. I mean, th- this brand had not made a n- not made a profit for four decades. Wow! But the leaders were attached to it, and so you know, in the church world, you see the same thing. We started this ministry twenty years ago, and you know, Mabel leads it down down in the basement on Wednesday nights, and we got this ministry, and we got that outreach, and you know, this is the way we do the service, and and that's normal. But as you start to see over time, you got a different audience, you have a different demographic, you might have a different emphasis in the mission. And it's very difficult for people to just create a necessary ending. This, you know, it's just time to get rid of the choir robes, maybe, or get rid of the organ and buy a guitar, you know, only about five decades late now. So that that's leadership. You know, to 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 figure this out, what's got to end? Now, it's not just seasons, though. the The book is built around a metaphor of pruning, and when I studied pruning, when I was writing the book, I went and talked to the experts, and I said, "Look, you know, when you prune a a rose bush, for example, you don't just go out there and start cutting back." And this is what the gardeners told me, and the wine growers. I went all the way to Tuscany to study pruning, and here's what they said. You start with your vision. What do you want this bush to look like? What is an ideal rose? What is an ideal vine? What do you want the vineyard to look like? And then you prune against the vision. So what doesn't fit the vision is going to get cut. Hmm. I'm thinking, wow, these guys need to go talk to business and ministry later, right? And then there's basically three categories. One is... There's good stuff. They're branches and buds and all this. They're good, but they're not the best. And they're taking up resources from the vine. And so there are a lot of, might have flowers on them and blooming and all this, but they're not going to become the vision. 
And so even though they're healthy and good, they cut them because they're taking up the, again, they're taking up the resource of the vine that the best needs. Well, in ministry, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, it might have some people coming and people might like it and this and the other, but you've decided the main thing the church is doing or the main thing, the main couple of things is you're going after young families or career people or whatever. Well, this other stuff that it might be contributing a little bit, it's fine, but you need that money and those people and the resources and the staff and all of that to come over to what the main thing of the vision is. And so you get rid of some stuff that's good, but it's not best. Secondly, there's some stuff that's broken that's not going to get well. It's just sick and not going to get well. And that may be people. that You've done everything possible with their performance. They're in the wrong position or they're a flake or, uh, you know, they're a, a fool. In the words of Proverbs, they can't take correction. You can't tell them anything. You know, whatever it is, you've tried everything. And once you've tried everything, then they got to go. That's just clear throughout the scriptures. The New Testament has a performance orientation that's just, it's more brutal than Jack Welch. I mean, it's there's no such thing in the New Testament as people taking up resources and not being accountable for a return on that investment or being problematic. You know, Paul says in Titus, reject a divisive person after a second warning. And if churches would do that more often, they wouldn't have church splits, by the way. But there's this, you know, some things are not good. They're sick. They're toxic. They're wrong. And they got to go away. And then the third area is there's just a bunch of dead, dead woods taking up space in a clean house. So that's kind of why necessary endings are so important. And if you look at COVID, what we're seeing is a lot of people are having a, to prune ways they used to do church and the ways they used to reach their mission and create stuff for the new season. So, so that's why I suggest that one. It's a, it's a good uh, sort of template to walk you through what's going on right now. Well, I, I do think that's a really good uh, segue into our next question, which is really, you know, what's the main point of emphasis with your team and, and your ministry right now? Um, well, our main point of emphasis has actually been uh, – it has been along the lines of, of, of pruning and focus. Um, when one of the things that, uh, so I've kind of got, uh, I sort of have three, if you look at m my work, I've kind of got three buckets, if you will. You know, I'm, I'm, people say, so what's, you know, you're an author and I, I'm really, or you're a writer. That's what they say. I go, I'm really not a writer. I don't, I, I can barely write the grocery list. I mean, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not, a, I, I don't, I'm not an author in my head. I'm a practitioner, you know, literally I spend um, probably a hundred days a year with CEOs and leaders, you know, that's pretty much full in companies and executive teams. That's, that's my heart and soul is, you know, I'm in, in the real war rooms every day doing this work. But from that, I'm also kind of a model builder. And so I build conceptual models, necessary innings would be an example of that, changes that heal, boundaries for leaders, all of that. Build models from the work um, that organizations and teams and everything can, and leaders can implement. And then the, the, 
third piece is all of that content in the second piece I got to deliver somehow. So there's writing and platform delivery, et cetera, et cetera. So my team, basically, they don't do much in the first bucket. They don't do much in the, in the, in the second bucket. Uh, you know, I create all the, the, uh, the constructs and the models and all that. But where they enter in is kind of from that point to the third bucket of how we get it out there to the world. And so my company is really a, it's a digital company. Um, and we've been focusing on trying to get more and more and more and more and more focused right now on, on equipping people in the crucial life skills and so we started something called Boundaries.me, which is a digital coaching uh, platform just for humans. It's not just leaders, but it's all the stuff leaders have to deal with, how to have difficult conversations, you know, burnout, dealing with difficult people, the science of goals, extended family, firing your mother-in-law, all the way to <laughs> How do you manage a panic attack? How do you, you know, there's 80 different courses on this platform. It's called boundaries.me. And we're really, really focused on that. And then internally, some of your leaders would be interested in this. You know, once you start to focus on something like that, as well as we have another product called Leadership University. But when you start to focus on that, um, what we're really, really, really spending some time on and with outside experts is just all the digital, you know, analytics. And it's so, it is so, it's such a science, you know, staying one step ahead of Google and Facebook's algorithms and, you know, when are they going to supersede what you're trying to advertise and reach people with? And it's, it's, it's rocket science. I don't understand it, but my team will. Yeah, it's it's an ever-changing world right now and trying to figure out <laughs> what analytics to focus on and they're changing every day. I know I know everybody's trying to wrestle with that right now. That's um, great. Well, what are what are two to three things that you absolutely must do daily and, and what benefit do they have to your life and leadership? Um well I'm going to cheat here <laughs> and I, I'm going to lump, uh, I'm going to lump two of them into one. All right. Um, actually, uh, actually two out of the three are the same thing, but I was going to say that, you know, the first one every day, if, if I, and, and I don't want to sound, you know, like one of those gross hyper spiritual fundy types. Um, but, but every day I, I just have to connect with God and his word. Um, I just have to. And, and so I've got a, uh, I've got a cadence, um, sort of a way that I do that every day. Um, and, 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 and the way I said I was going to cheat was I'm going to, let's call that, you know, connection with the two most important people. (laughs) So, um, connect with God and, and have my time with him in prayer and in his word and all of that. And then, then I've, I I just have to make sure because we get so busy and all that, that being very, very proactive that Tori and I have time every day, um, where that means, you know, we go on a walk or we say, let's, 
you know, forget the television and sit down and have dinner and talk to each other, you know, whenever that's, that's, that's got to happen in a proactive way every day, not just on the fly. Um, and then I've got to do some kind of study and it, that may be reading before I go to bed. It may be some other time, but if, um, if I'm not doing it, you know, little by little. So I've always got, you know, two or three things I'm studying. So I've got to do that every day. And then the third thing is, um, is uh, let's call that connection as well. But I kind of map my life in terms of concentric circles of relationships. You know, if you think of, um, let's just take Jesus as example. You know, he kind of had the broader, the broader, you know, community out there that he hung out in. So you got the, and then within that, you kind of got his industry, right? You got all the religious folks that he, he talked to and, and spent some time with. And then within that, you've got the, the followers and there's, you know, what few hundred of those maybe. And then within that, you've got this, this kind of, I think, more personal community, you know, call it 18, 20, 25 names or so you see, you know, that are kind of around him. Probably that's who would come to his birthday party, you know, kind of the, <laughs> or I, I guess that's Christmas, right? They come. To- <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> but it's sort of the people that you really know and are connected to and all of that. And then within that, you got his 12. And then within the 12, you got three, Peter, James, and John, that he was closer to. And then you got the, you know, got the BFF. John, it seemed like he was the closest to, who coincidentally wrote all of the fellowship and abiding passages, which as a psychologist, well, who's he going to be closest to? The person with the greatest capacity for intimacy, right? So John probably, that's the way that worked out. So what I try to do is, I think of those circles in my life and I just make sure that, um, you know, sort of like a dosage schedule for, for a medicine, you know, when, when we tell people to take their medicine, um, you know, here's the right medicine. (laughs) Once you take it, take it three times a day for 10 days or for a month or whatever. Well, there's a reason for that because it has a half-life. So you take your morning one and right about the time it's about to die off, you take another one. So you don't lose, you don't lose the benefit. And our relationships are like that. And so there's, you know, we need to be checking like in my closest circles and am I in touch? Have we had dinner together? You know, have we, are we current? And so I'm always monitoring that, those concentric circles and, and staying in touch with who I need to stay in touch with. I'm still trying to figure out a, a way to work in questions about dogs. Uh, hey, go ahead. I'm all what dog did you have prior to your Doberman? Did you have a German Shepherd or did you have a Doberman? Well, yeah, I have. Um, <clears throat> so in my adult life, I have had, um, I've had and trained and when I say trained, I'm, I'm, I'm serious about this. I mean, it, I love it. I really, really love it. In fact, um, I'd like to, I'd love to be a dog trainer, but anyway, I've had, uh, five German shepherds and, um, our last one, uh, so my girls now are, uh, 18 and 20. 
So we got our last, the last German Shepherd we had was when they were really little and it, it aged out and checked out when they were about five. And so we were going to get another one and we were waiting. Um, and then we went to lunch one day and there was a, there was a rescue shop right by the deli. And we came home with an eight week old Rottweiler Doberman mix. And she was amazing. That was our family dog for 10 years, but I never had had either one of those breeds. I like big, you know, big aggressive dogs, um, you know, guard dogs. Yes. uh, And I need that. And we just fell in love with the Doberman side of her and started looking at them and meeting them and everybody we talked to, you can't get them to stop talking about their Dobermans. They're the sweetest dogs ever. Great family dogs, really smart. And so when Riley died, um, we searched California and found one up in central California and drove up there and got her. (laughs) So, um, she is, uh, She's been a joy. I think that that was your question, right? How do we? Yeah. No, uh, I, I'm definitely a dog person. I just don't have one at the moment. And um, what's fascinating to me. So we had uh, hunting dogs. By by the way. Yes. If anybody out there is married and you don't have kids, don't even think about getting a kid until you've learned how to train a dog. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) It is the best. When you really understand dog training, it is the best parenting training that you'll ever have. (laughs) No, I'm serious. If you really, if you really understand the, the behavioral laws that govern it, that you'll be a much better parent. Okay. So I got to ask this question because I, I have an opinion uh, on this, but well, I'll tell you my opinion, and then you can you can uh, differ as much as you'd like. But is about the political correctness that's invaded dog training world now? <laughs> no, I always told people um, it's really important that you uh, know your dog, like you know the lineage of your dog. That I mean, we are we weren't you know like snobs or anything believe me i was from middle of nowhere kentucky with one stoplight in the county and these are hunting dogs you're talking about however i would have said you know about half of it is breeding and about half of it is training on how good of a hound you're gonna have yeah. um, so you you tell me um try break that down um that's just always true. I mean, you will never, you'll never get away from nurture nature. You know, it's just the way God designed things. And so there are definitely in humans as well. There are definitely, you know, there's genetic codes that, that organize a lot of different stuff all the way from temperament to, you know, intelligence and, you know, all of that. But at the same time, um, how you raise one is going to make all the difference in the world. So I'd say it's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And we always need to think about that. Good deal. All right. So, um, and let's go back to your home then. Uh, you, you do have a new puppy, but what does leadership in your home look like? Um, well, you ever heard that story about that, that, uh, 
So the wife is chasing the guy around the house with the skillet. You know, he's going to whack him over the head. He dives under the bed and she says, come out from under there. He says, I absolutely will not. I'm the head of this household and I won't come out from under the bed until you put that skillet down. That's not not my house. I just think that's a funny story. Uh, you know what, I, I kind of one day a long time ago, um, I was doing this, it was actually in a corporate setting and you know, CEOs and, and high level leaders in the business world. Right. And so, so one of them, and it's amazing how those settings get personal. You know, I'd say that to pastors, if, you know, so many, so many people in your pews, you know, they feel successful at work and they feel like failures at home and they, they need some help. And, and one of them said exactly that. He says, you know, I, I come to work and, and like, I'm a superstar. Everybody loves me. I know what to do. I know what to do at work. And I'm a winner at work. He said, I go home. I feel like a loser. I don't, I just don't know how to do it. You know? And I said, well, of course you do. He said, what do you mean? I said, you know what to do at home. He said, what do you mean? I said, what do you do at work? You have a vision, right? You know what you're trying to build. And so the first thing you do is you get really clear about what you want. Then what do you do? The second thing you do, this is kind of my model of leadership. The second thing you do is you engage the talent. So you get the right people on your team and everybody's got a role and you're, you're motivating them. You get them pulled in. The third thing is you got a plan. You got a strategy and a plan and you start to execute that with the team. And then you, then you hold everybody accountable. And then when you hold everybody accountable, you fix what you find in those accountability sessions. I said, well, think about this. I said, let me give you an example from my house. So we're sitting down and, you know, say the kids at this time, um, I'm thinking about one in particular, one time in particular, because we would do this all the time. We'd have family meetings, team meetings, right? And so we're, we're looking at the summer and we're going on some vacations. And I, I sat the team down. And I said, okay, guys, what's our vision for the summer? Like at the end of the summer, what do you want to look back and say, this is what the summer was like. Here's what happened. Here's what we accomplished. All right. So they, well, we get this vision together then. Okay. So what, let's engage the talent. What role is everybody going to play? Well, mom always does the research on where to go and what to find. You guys have to figure out what kind of activities you want to researching and you guys start training for those. And, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to have a part and, and write checks, I guess. And then, <laughs> So we engage everybody, right? And then we got a plan of how we're going to, and I'm saying, I'm saying, and this leader's sitting there going, oh yeah, I could do that. I said, of course you can. And so what I try to do, what I try to do in my home, and the biggest challenge I think for any parent or any spouse right now, the biggest challenge is focus. I, I think there's just too many moving parts. There's too much coming at us. And so what I'm always thinking of is what I just said, you know, if we're, whether we're thinking about the holidays or we're thinking about the year, like we'll, we'll plan the year out ahead. We'll put in the, you know, put the, put the big rocks in the schedule first. Um, and I'm trying, I'm always trying to lead that linear path 
of, okay, did Tori and I have our quarterly getaways in the calendar where nothing's going to push them out? Have we planned for that? Have we got the, you know, our, our, our small group, is it, is it in there first before everything else crowds it out? So a lot of it is, is having a plan and managing that plan. Because if you don't, the urgent stuff is to just kick the vital stuff off the, off the, off the grid every single time. And so a lot of leadership is figuring out where we want to go as a couple, as a family. And then if that's true, what are we going to do to get there? And then that's got to be in ink on the calendar. And that's how I think about it. Hey, Dr. Cloud, what was that? Um, when we, when we first started, you mentioned um, that you you guys had a bunch of free resources, and yeah. all people had to do was was shoot a text. Can you uh, yeah. tell us what that is? If you would like to get instant access to a hundred of my leadership videos for free, um, text the word cloud looks like it's all caps here i guess that's the way it works text cloud c-l-o-u-d to uh three three seven 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 excellent again thank you so much for spending time with us today and uh our listeners uh as well as i have just really appreciated your work over the years and it's meant so much to us both personally and professionally as uh as pastor so thank you and thank you for continuing your work we we greatly appreciate it listeners if you want to hop on over to itunes you can leave us a rating and review Uh, thanks for listening